Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, yeah, it's my birthday this week. I know. And when Catherine gave me my 40th birthday card, I was like, are you kidding me? 40 cards is too many. <laughs> I mean, I... I got it. I, I don't know what else to say. It's a, it's a twist. It's not. It's a twist. I, it's a twist. It's not what you're expecting. She gave me 40 cards. That was the 40th one she'd given me. First off, there's no way she gave you 40 cards. I know, Catherine. So <laughs> It's not believable. Yeah. Stretching for Julie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, there's that. But then there's also just the fact that it's just not, it's not great. It's not great. Listen, you've told good it. ones in the past. Don't do that. Don't. Tell me a different one because I didn't like the first one. <laughs> John. Yeah. I w- I've been thinking about how I'm bundled up now, but I need to wait until I get older. But the, <laughs> but the meteor men beg to differ and they've been looking at this hole in the satellite picture and that at the beginning of the verse yeah it was like it's a cold place and at the end of the verse it's like it's a hot place and i'm like where were we going here yeah it's not just a hot place exactly and we're talking about the lyrics to a pop song that hank and i both have a deep and long-term fascination with Mm. it's not just that the world starts out cool and they say it's getting colder. Yeah. It's that we don't just end with the water getting warmer, so you might as well swim. Yeah. We end with my world's on fire. Yeah. So, the world is actually, it's, it's on fire. It's a cold place, but it's on fire. Yeah. But also he likes it that way. Yeah. Which, but they say it gets colder. At the beginning, he seems very concerned about the fact that it's a cold place and he doesn't like it. Yeah. And at the end, it's a hot place and he does like it. So at least he's like got some consistency there that he prefers the heat. Right. He's a warm weather person. Yes. And he needed to talk himself in mm-hmm. to warm weather. So a- as you know, Hank, I think that the entire song All Star by Smash Mouth mm-hmm. is about being 
a very famous rock star. Yeah. But that it was written by people who were not yet very famous rock stars. And that's true. This was this was sort of the thing that did it. The thing that makes the song so brilliant is that now, like a hundred nights a year, mm-hmm. Smash Mouth sing about what they thought being famous would feel like <laughs> before they were famous. Uh-huh. But now they are singing it as famous people. Right. And what they realize is the, the world the world is neither warmer nor colder. It is actually very similar and they remain just people. Yes. But, but the question is, there's still some weird stuff happening. Like, I bet it is weird on a day-to-day basis to be Smash Mouth. Oh, certainly. Yes, absolutely. Now, we've left out the middle part of the verse, which is about the meteor men. Yeah. They do beg to differ with the with the initial assessment that the world is cold and they say it gets colder. Right. So whoever they is, it's not the meteor men who are, who are saying it's gets, it gets colder. Right. The meteor men are presumably climate scientists or, or meteorologists. meteorologists. I think they forgot what I think they forgot what meteorologists are called. So they called them meteor men, which is obviously you shouldn't. It, it's an inclusive term, meteorologists, while meteor men less so. Yeah. But if you try to put meteorologists into that meter, it's a nightmare. Although God knows that didn't stop them elsewhere in the song. <laughs> but I mean, this is nice. That is a nice feeling sound, though. But the meteor men beg to differ. That's nice. Yeah, that's nice. I. I understand why they did it. The weatherman doesn't work. The meteorologists, it doesn't work. The climate scientists, it doesn't work. So I would almost argue that, but the meteor men beg to differ Mm -hmm. is the greatest line in the greatest pop song ever made. You're right. It is good. It's good because because both it's a referencing directly meteorologists, but it's also kind of referencing the media, the media men. Right. um, And sort of like the main and like the people who are the ones who like actually are supposed to have it right. But like maybe we don't actually they're just trying to pull one over on us with their hole in the satellite picture, which I'm not entirely clear what that is. Yeah. I think maybe Smash Mouth, and this isn't un- that unusual, have gotten the ozone hole mixed up with climate change. It does happen, I understand. Yeah, I think that's what happened there. Yeah. What's- that, that, set, that line right after, the judging by the hole in the satellite picture, does sort of like make that particular couplet a little less impactful for me. Oh, no, that's a disaster of a rhyme. Yeah. The power of that meteor men begging to differ line is in understanding, as the meteor men presumably do, climate science, Mm -hmm. which then it seems like maybe Smash Mouth doesn't. (laughs) I mean, I mean, maybe that's very meta. Maybe they're understanding themselves in that line. Yes. They're like being like, they're basically saying, look, we don't we have such a, a a disjointed view and like the world is so complicated. How am I supposed to understand all this that like, well, what do those media guys know? The hole in the ozone layer, blah, blah, blah. When really they mean climate science, because like, how are we supposed to understand everything that we're supposed to understand these days? There's just too much where there's too much asked of the average person. And Smash Mouth here is, is outlining that that is also the case for people who presumably are rock stars. That's exactly right. And it reminds me of a different line mm. in Smash Mouth's All-Star. Mm, interesting. When they talk about the, how the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Yeah. Which I think is an experience that's very true to life. But I also think that there are similar experiences about how like information starts coming and then doesn't stop coming. And it, and it just overwhelms us because yeah. once the information feed is turned on, it's a fire hose in our face. That's true. And I think that the more that we understand about the world, the more we realize we don't understand. Yeah. And that is very analogous to the experience of things that that start coming but don't stop coming. So like the moment that it that it begins, it really the the sort of 
floodgates are unleashed. And interestingly, in the same way, like in, in early life years, they come so slowly. And then as we get older, they come much more quickly. And that is, that is also very true. It seems to me of the news where it once came at a, a more manageable pace and now, now really does not. John, do you want to answer some questions from our listeners? I mean, not really. I, I want to keep doing this for the next couple hours. <laughs> but I think we should answer some questions from our listeners. Okay. This first one comes from Kevin, who writes, Hey, John and Hank, have you ever noticed there are no houses painted black? My wife and I have been taking our kids on a lot of stroller rides around the neighborhood lately. And at least in Minnesota, we haven't seen any houses painted black. Mm -hmm. Why do you think no one chooses this color for their house besides Darth Vader? I bet he would like a black house. <laughs> not five, not six, not seven. Kevin. Nice. First of all, I think uh, all of Darth Vader's houses are pretty demonstrably gray. Yeah. I mean, Darth Vader has chosen a color for his home, the Death Star. Yeah. And it is silver or gray. Yeah, gray. Yeah, it's not really shiny. He, his clothes are black. I would say it's a bit of a dulled silver. Okay. You can say what you want to say. And hey, show me a picture of the Death Star. You can't say hey on a podcast, John. All these oh, people all right. over the world. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sorry. Um, okay. Show me a picture of the Death Star. Is that okay? No. It's a problem. <laughs> okay. I'm looking at a picture of the Death Star now, and I'm going to mm. agree with you, Hank. Yeah. I would say it's two shades of gray. And I, yeah. I kind of dig that in a house. I dig it when a house is like a light gray with like the trim you know, like on the, on the sides of the windows and everything, that's a yep. darker gray. Yep. I've always thought that really pops. I mean, I have seen some red doors that I wanted to paint black, but I've never seen a red house and been like, I just want to make that into a haunted mansion. <laughs> and so there, there are ways that black houses work, but it's always modern contemporary homes, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, that, like where you have these huge windows and so the window is more the house and then the black is just sort of the that sort of box around it. The frame. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you take like an older home and paint it black, like it's the Adams family up in here. There's no other way to get around that. It's what happened. It looks like you're in a home of mourning. Yeah. You know, like uh, like your, your Queen Victoria right. and your husband just died or something. Or because your husband was the king, you have to live in a black house like forever now. Right. Kevin, the other thing about houses painted black mm -hmm is that they tend to fade, like the color tends to fade faster. Oh, and in some cases, the color can also sort of chip faster. So it's a little bit less efficient from a how often do I have to paint my house perspective. Hmm. That said, I have seen in my research about this question, a couple of like all black houses that were like Victorian style houses and they looked awesome. They do look very good. They looked like the kind of house you want in your neighborhood mm -hmm. so that all the kids can like bet each other $2. They won't make it up to ring the doorbell. I love it. Uh, yeah. And, and but maybe a little splash of color, just the door or a couple of window frames, some red in there to make it extra dramatic because mm. otherwise it just sort of blends in. Architecture with John and Hank. I know what I'm talking about. This next question comes from Heather, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I live by myself, and I spent the last six weeks totally alone with only a few momentary exceptions. I partake in regular video calls with groups and individuals, but it's not quite the same as being together in person, and it's making me lonely and sad. How should I cope with the loneliness when it is seemingly unavoidable? H&H, &H, Heather. 
I'm not sure what H and H stands for. Hanson and Halle Berry. <laughs> yeah, Hank, I don't know what your experience of this has been, and I do think that it's different for everyone because everyone's in a di- different circumstance. We all have different stresses, etc. Mm-hmm. But my experience of it has been. That when I am on a Zoom call with my friends, it's great and I'm happy it's happening. Mm -hmm. And it makes me desperately, overwhelmingly aware of how not like real life it is. Mm. Like there is something chemical about being in a person's physical presence, feeling the touch of another person. Mm -hmm. And it is really hard to have that taken away from you suddenly with like no chance to prepare Mm -hmm. and no timeline for when you will have that back. And I think that it can be great to have those virtual calls and 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 those experiences i think they're really important and my friend levin said i thought this was perfect he said it was like powdered milk <laughs> like it provides sustenance yeah. and uh yeah and it reminds you of the taste of milk uh-huh. but it ain't milk yeah and i and i that's how i feel like it's and so if you're quarantined alone mm-hmm. the interactions that you're having they aren't the same as real interactions with people. Yeah, there, there's also a, a practical, and I don't know if this is going to be practical for you, but maybe it will be for somebody out there, um, reality, which is that if you, if there's two people who are friends, who are both isolating, those two people seeing each other and like being sort of each other's like quarantine family and like ha- having a weekly hangout isn't actually substantially dangerous. It would be very similar to having the same relationship that I have with, you know, the people who are in my home. And, uh, you know, Aaron Carroll talks about this, where you can sort of have, if you, if you have two families who are self-isolating, those families can sort of merge their bubble into one bubble, as long as you imagine that as your single bubble. And we have, we have done that now with Catherine's parents so that we can spend time with them, um, after having spent a month isolating from them. And it's just, it's much, it's so nice to have like some other people in the world that we can sort of hang out with and, and they don't come into the house. We hang out in the yard and like that sort of makes it feel a little bit safer, but that is something that like, as we sort of like, cause there won't be like a moment when this all ends, there will be sort of gradual step-by-step kind of process. And, and I think that part of that step-by-step might be, you know, starting to merge a bubble here and there. This next question comes from uh, Naomi, who asks, Dear Hank and John, my sisters and I are identical triplets. We didn't do any pranking related to being identical triplets when we were kids. And now that we are adults, I feel like we really missed out on that. Do you have any suggestions for triplet pranks we could pull now? I've attached a picture for reference, turnips and peaches, Naomi. Yeah, I have a lot of suggestions, Naomi. Oh, good. This is the peak moment for for triplet madness. Yeah. Number one, starting tomorrow, all three of you have different jobs. You have whatever job (laughs) the sibling (laughs) with the name nearest you has, and you show up for Zoom calls at the exact right time, but in a different apartment (laughs) with a different background. (laughs) And that's great. And you crush it. You know, you just, you do everything you can to crush the meeting and, and they'll be like, was that Naomi? Yeah. And then the other advantage, the, so the long-term advantage of this, Hank, because I I think Mm -hmm. this is something that you continue doing as long as this lasts, just mixing it up 
And the long-term well, advantage of it- professional skills development is, it, is one thing. Exactly. At the end of yeah. it, all three of them will be qualified to do all three jobs. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If only we could all do this. I know. Maybe we should. Imagine if I started like showing up as you- at your please do first off that that's my idea of hell to have to go to the meetings that, that you have to go to <laughs> sometimes i see your schedule mm-hmm. like i see your google calendar and i get sick to my stomach i mean i've only got i've only got five today <laughs> do you seriously have five <laughs> meetings today uh yes oh my god one of them was very short oh my god all of the rest of them are long oh my god it's okay, John. We're do- we're we're each doing our own thing. That's why there's different people in the world, man. Also, triplet prank. You guys got all got to go grocery shopping. Go grocery shopping at the same time, but then like space out your checkout five minutes, but go to the same teller. And you're all wearing different clothes though, because you can't have it be like, why do you keep coming back? You gotta have have it be a moment of deep confusion. Yeah, because th- this is the amazing thing about triplets. Like if you see two people, then you're like, ooh. But the third, you're like, everything is over. Right. I can't handle, I can't, pre, I can't, Cause, no. Cause that, right. Because if you see two people who look alike, you think twins. If you see three people who look alike, you think there's a glitch in the matrix. Yeah. And they're just repeating forms for me mm-hmm. because I'm playing mm-hmm. a video game. Yep. By the way, I have never felt more like I am in the middle of a simulation than I do right now. And I am... Oh, super unhappy with some of the choices that have been made. (laughs) If this is a simulation, I have some questions for the programmers. If this is a simulation, I have questions for the programmers the whole way through. I think they've done a terrible job. Like in general, they've done a terrible job. Well, but this seems uh, it's punitive is the word I would use. It's all it's it also makes me feel a little bit like, are we just going for uh for an for entertainment value, are we yeah. just fun? Right, is this just fun for you? Right, um, that's how I feel. Yeah, I know how I play The Sims. <laughs> and, uh, it's like when you've built your beautiful city and you just start start throwing disasters at it. Yeah, but then you just like reopen from the old save. Are they going to reopen from the old save, John? Yeah, but I don't think we'll know. <laughs> we're in this save. Ah, oh, we're in this safe. John, I've got I've got one. Um, you go to the grocery store and you buy a jar of mayonnaise. And yeah. then when you're checking out, you open it and start eating it with a spoon. Doesn't really require that you're a triplet. I just want <laughs> I, I, to freak the people. I think especially <laughs> in the COVID era, the last thing that America's grocery store employees need is more weirdness or stress. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good point. Yeah. If, you, if you're all in the same house, anytime any of you are on a hangout, another of you can be dressed exactly the same walking around in the background. Yeah, yeah. That feels like a win. Like, if that's an option, if you're ever in the same place. Yeah, and, th- and then you could pretend to be a ghost, mm, potentially. Yeah. So you could say ghost-like things, or, 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 or you could pretend to be a person vastly different from who you are. So you you could be on your own phone call in the background of their hangout. <laughs> you could you could be like, I don't care that there's no NBA games right now. I'm betting $45,000 on the Sacramento Kings to win by 7 points tonight. Yes. Yeah, well, okay, John, we didn't realize this. Oh my god. So first you set up that you are your sister. 
and you've been in the Zoom call and they recognize your background. Yes. And then suddenly another, like another person joins the call and it's you again. And then yes. a third. Yes. And it's you again. They're all you. And then, and then you have to like synchronize several things that you're going to say so that like one person starts and then the next person picks up halfway through the sentence. Yes. And then the other person finishes the thought. Yes. Mm, and when, when people mm, are like, that's choice. Naomi, who are these other people? You'll be like, I am Naomi. And then the right, second but person. But all three of you have to say it exactly at the same time. Exactly. No, all three at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're just like, I am Naomi. Nice. Oh, this is great. I love it. I apologize in advance for getting you fired, but it's worth it. <laughs> okay, Hank, let's continue with this question from Marco, who writes, Dear John and Hank, here in Spain, we've been on lockdown for six weeks now, and I only get to leave the house once a week for the 30 minutes it takes me to go to the supermarket and come back. Mm -hmm. To stay sane and get a bit of the outside experience, I've started spending more time exploring the world with Google Street View, and oh. I've been asking friends for places they recommend that I visit. And that got me wondering, what places do you recommend exploring in Missoula and Indianapolis? Hmm. So I have also been doing this. Really? I have. <laughs> the businesses that I, I frequent that have allowed Google to like come in and photograph the mm -hmm. walkthrough experience. Right, yeah. I've been walking through like restaurants I loved and walking through... The other day I walked through like the indoor playground where my kids and I like to go. Wow. I didn't realize how sad that was until I said it out loud. Yeah, no, it's 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 uh it's kind of it's kind of wrecking me. But but here we are. Here we are, Marco. Missoula is a beautiful place. Missoula is a beautiful place and I I walk around in Google Street View all the time, but I I usually choose like places that I don't normally go. So I can like get a feel for a strange city. But for for my city, where would you go? I gotta tell you, there's not it's not that interesting of a place. That's not true. It's what kind of what I like about That's it? That's not true. You could walk the mean streets of Missoula and see a lot of kind of third tier casinos. <laughs> we we the only kind we have <laughs> in Indianapolis. I really recommend. Google Street viewing the Monon Trail, which is this former railway line that's now a 30-mile trail that goes all through the center of the city and then also well north of the city. And it's just a pleasant walk. It's uh, right through the east side of town, and you get to go over some bridges. There's a few moments where you can see the White River, which is my favorite my favorite of all the rivers. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that uh, I think that you would enjoy virtually walking along the Monon Trail. Nice. So I have an idea for you. Um, occasionally, because we can, because uh, it's safe to be inside of a car, we will go for drives and we will drive down south uh, up the Bitterroot River. And that is a beautiful drive. And I bet if you did, uh, did a... Uh, Google Street View of that. You could see all the beautiful, you can, all the mountains and the, well, this, they did this on a nice day too. It was fall. So all the trees have all their leaves changed color. That's very nice. So I, we go on this drive fairly frequently and and I do love it. It's actually quite a lot to recommend in, in Montana on the, on the Google Street View front. Yeah, it's real pretty. Including, Hank, the entire walk to the M, the iconic hike oh. in Missoula, can be done via Google Street View. Well, look at that. 
then then never mind. Do that. That's pretty amazing. I'm doing it right now. It's quite enjoyable. I'm having I feel like I'm walking. You can also kind of do that to the uh, at the Garden of the Thousand Buddhas. Oh, just because people have uploaded their photos of it so much that you can kind of click around it pretty effectively and 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 easily. For some reason, someone put a garden with a thousand Buddhas in Montana and uh, it's a it's a nice place to go visit. Great. I'll I'll make my way there next. But right now I'm walking up to the to the M. I'm walking along. A, a beautiful, is this called, what is this called? It's called prairie when there's not a lot of vegetation. Sure. I'm walking along a beautiful prairie. I feel like I'm going uphill. This is, you know what? Maybe I, maybe I am going to make it through this whole process now that I know that I can walk <laughs> up to the M on Google Street View. That's probably the best thing that's happened to me today, to be quite honest that's with It's kind of wild. I mean, this is nice because uh, walking up the M on my feet is actually pretty hard. Yeah, it's, so. a, it's a challenging walk. Earth bones with John and Hank Green. <laughs> Those are some good bones. Hank, you want to answer this question we got from Cooper, comma, age 10? Absolutely. Dear John and Hank, how does money work? Like, mm. how do companies get money and yeah. pay their employees? Uh, how did money come to exist instead of trading items? An answer would be super, Cooper. Nice, Cooper. Very good, Boy. very good sign-off, Cooper. You've got a bright future in the name-specific sign-off business. Cooper, I, I think the, the entire idea is that, like, trading items was a little inconvenient. Yeah. Sometimes they would be big. Sometimes people would be like, I have this sheep and I would like those shoes. And you'd be like, I don't need a sheep right now. Like, mm-hmm. I just have, a, I have enough sheep. I'm a shoemaker. I don't need sheep. I need like leather and laces and those little holes. Grommets is what they're called. I need grommets. Yeah. And the, and the sheep guy's like, I only got sheep, man. And I need shoes. So they came up with money. And so money was invented as a way of facilitating that exchange. Yes. Really, money is just a made-up idea that together we kind of trust. And Cooper, there are all kinds of these ideas that are technically made up, but they're real because we believe in them. Right, like pants. I mean, to some extent, (laughs) that's not a great (laughs) example of what I mean and will likely confuse Cooper, I think, more than enlightened. (laughs) I I was thinking more along the lines of human rights. <laughs> Pants are just an idea that we all agree on. Both equally good examples of how together we come up with ideas that we believe in and and honor mm-hmm. and make real right. through our collective belief in them. And once upon a time there was there was real like value stored somewhere. And, and of course, like all values kind of made up. So the idea that the US dollar used to be backed by gold and it'd be like for every dollar of dollars there are out there, there's a dollar of gold in a safe somewhere. And if you want to go to the bank and get, you know, get your dollar of gold, you can do that. We stopped doing that because it turns out that the idea of what a dollar is was even more powerful than gold because ultimately gold's useful industrially, but mostly it's valuable because we'd say it is. Yeah. Like, it's, it's the same thing as dollars. Right. It's another idea that we've decided has a, a lot of value, yeah. value beyond what we call its intrinsic value. So gold has a certain intrinsic value because it's used in lots of different ways of making stuff, but mm-hmm. the value of gold goes beyond that and has for a long time. Right. So that is how money came into being, we think. Yeah. And that is why money exists today. Right. Usually, companies use the money that they have made 
to pay their employees. Sometimes they use money that they have borrowed to pay their employees. And sometimes recently Mm -hmm. they use money that the government has given them to pay their employees. So how that money comes into being changes based on what the company's up to. But that's a sort of broad level overview for you, Cooper. And this has been Bad Planet Money with Hank and John. (laughs) Also, Cooper, I really recommend that you listen to the NPR podcast, Planet Money. It's so good. It's even, Mm -hmm. it's so good. My 10-year-old listens to it all the time, Cooper. And so I think you'll like it as much as he does. Which reminds me, John, that this podcast is brought to you by Fiat Currencies. Fiat (laughs) Currencies. I'm pretty sure they're the ones where it's all just backed by thoughts. Thoughts and promises, Hank. Not just thoughts, but (laughs) commitments. Right. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Google Street View. (laughs) Google Street View. We thought it was just for looking at what our childhood house looked like now, 20 years later. But it turns out that now it has lots of other uses, like letting us feel as if we can go outside. Yes, it is the powdered milk of going outside. (laughs) This podcast is also brought to you by the Meteor Men. They beg to differ. (laughs) I don't know why, but that's like my favorite joke you've ever made in the whole podcast. (laughs) I think it's just like, I have such a deep and ever deepening love for All Star. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Uh, And lastly, today's (laughs) podcast is brought to you by that creepy house in your neighborhood. That creepy house in your neighborhood. I'll pay you five bucks if you go up there and ring the doorbell. (laughs) By the way, don't don't ring strangers doorbells right now. (laughs) Don't don't do that. That that should go without saying. All right, John, we got a project for awesome message from Devin White in New York, who has asked. This is cruel. Says, Hank, please sing the Hogwarts uh, uh, school song, I guess is what this is. I will do my best. Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy-Warty Hogwarts, teach us something, please. Whether we be old and bald or young with scabby knees, our heads could do with filling with some interesting stuff. This isn't great. For now they're bare and full of air, dead flies and bits of fluff. So teach us things worth knowing. Bring back what we forgot. Just do your best. We'll do the rest and learn until our... This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know that uh, about 5 billion, billion? That's a de- I checked that because that's a lot. Plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, laundry tablets, 
everybody. You know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. Brains all rot or something like that. (sighs) Great. All right, Hank, we have another question. This one comes from Eliza. It's short, it's sweet, and it's extremely complex. Dear John and Hank, how much is a lock of hair? YOLO, Eliza. What? Um, Nobody says YOLO anymore, Eliza. Oh, God. And thank goodness. Yeah, that's one of the best things. And I know that there aren't a lot of good ones, but that is one of the best things about 2020. (laughs) Nobody's shouting YOLO. You know, unless they're going to go to the grocery store, I guess. I saw, as I do almost every day on the internet now, an abbreviation that I didn't know what it was. And so I had to imagine it. Like for the longest time, I thought that SMH, Mm -hmm. I always thought it meant so much hate. (laughs) But the one I saw today was WFH. And I was like, Mm. what What the heck? (laughs) <laughs> what for heck that was my i was trying to i was working with what and heck yeah and trying to make it uh-huh make it work but it turns out i should have been working with work work from home obviously i've seen this one we gotta abbreviate everything these days but wfh feels like what for heck yes <laughs> and, yeah and i'm not i'm not backing <laughs> off like every time i see it for the rest of my life somebody will be like oh man i'm wfh again and I'll be like, you're what for hecking? Well, good luck. <laughs> yeah, enjoy. We've all been there. I've, I've what for hecked before. Do you have abbreviations in your brain that aren't words or letters? They're just like sort of rough sketches of concepts that you, that you uh, refer back to? Oh, yeah. I have a number of them. Okay. Just checking. Wait, are yours like words or are they... I'll give you I'll give you one of what I mean and then you can tell me what you mean. Okay. What I thought of is for instance we often say it's not about the rock in our family. Uh-huh. Which is a reference to one time many years ago <laughs> when you and one of our cousins was forced to roll a rock back up a hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so anytime there's a big argument that's going on, when the argument isn't really about what's being argued over, we say, mm-hmm. I think this is not about the rock. Yeah, that that is correct. I, I don't always have like a term for it, but like, you know, John and I, we often say to each other, uh, we don't want to make the Walkman, which is a thing. Yeah. Anything that's going to get made by someone else and it's going to be just as good or better if someone else does it. Let the other person do it. Yeah. Let, just let them do it. Yeah. If it's going to happen anyway, then and it's not going to be worse if they do it. Yeah. So a lot of times when Hank has an idea, I say that seems like a Walkman thing. But I don't always have a word for it. Like I, I, I have this thing that I that I remember all the time that there are many things in media that I am experiencing for like the fifth time. And to me, it is a trope. But for people who are, you know, this new piece of media is their first introduction to this. It's fresh and new for them. Like Christopher Paolini's Aragon books use a similar style of magic that Ursula Le Guin uses. And to me, it was like, oh, like that. So that wasn't fresh, but for some people it is. And so I like to always try and remember that everybody is experiencing media differently because they have experienced different media. Yeah, like... 
a lot of times, even critics will say that somebody popularized something or that somebody is responsible for some trend in YA fiction. Mm -hmm. And I'll think like, no, I mean, Jackie Woodson did that 25 years ago or Walter Dean Myers did that 40 years ago. And it frustrates me from both angles where like somebody's getting credit for something someone else has done or somebody's getting criticized for doing someone else someone has done. I'm like, no, it's neither of those. Yeah. Those are both wrong. Like everybody is building on each other's thoughts and works and like drawing from the same words. Like each one of those words was created by a group of people somewhere. I think the reason this is such a problem is because we like to imagine that the greatest books are made by individual geniuses. Right. And that they are truly revolutionary and unprecedented. We still want this tale of the genius who arrives from nowhere, Mm -hmm. the Shakespeare Mm -hmm. who lands upon the shores and writes Hamlet in three weeks. Like, we just love that story so much. But in the end, like... We're being troped by a trope. Like, that's just not how it works. Yeah. Uh, how, but how much, much is, is a lock, lock of hair? hair? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I thought about this. It's more than a hundred hairs, mm. but it's less than a thousand. You think, I think you could get a lock of hair with 75 hairs. It's more than 50 hairs, but it's less yeah. than 800. Mm-hmm. I was recently going through a bunch of stuff from Catherine's parents that they gave us, and I found um, some of Catherine's mom's baby hair. Oh, I know. Uh, it's a, it, but it's like, wow, hair. Yeah. That stuff. It lasts. That stuff lasts. <laughs> We should we should build things out of this. <laughs> Before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I just want to read this from Diana, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I've been wanting to keep a gratitude journal to change my neural pathways and be more mindful. A few weeks ago, John mentioned he is doing this with a curse cacard journal, and I can't find that on the internet. Help. Yeah. What the heck is it? Is it better than the other options? I think it's better than the other options. I've tried other gratitude journals. This one is my favorite. I don't think that you need a formal gratitude journal to keep a gratitude journal. Like my kids do it in a college ruled notebook and that works fine for them. So I'm not putting like pressure on you to purchase something, Mm -hmm. but this particular gratitude journal is beautiful and I do really like it. And it's made by the people at Kurzgesagt. I think I said that right. I probably didn't. Close enough. Here's what you do. You type in gratitude journal and then you type Mm K-U-R-Z-G and that should be enough. And if it's not, just kind of go symphonic on the keyboard and just see where it takes you. (laughs) Yes, it's a German word. Kurzgesagt. You'll get get there. You you can do it. It starts with K-U-R-Z. Yeah. And uh, it's it, it is German for in a nutshell. So if you also search for in a nutshell, you will find it. That's true. All right, Hank, what's the news from Mars this week? And news from Mars this week, researchers are working on the next generation of Martian aircraft by turning to cardboard to inspire that, that, that next generation. It comes out of the University of Pennsylvania, where a group of scientists have designed these tiny flyers that are about as heavy as a fruit fly using a special material called nano cardboard, which is not cardboard. Uh, it is a hollow plate made of aluminum oxide walls that are only a few nanometers thick. Uh, the cardboard part comes from, I don't understand this, just for clarity. So I'm going to say what this, I'm going to give you my best approximation of what's happening. There's ridges inside the cardboard that are formed by micro channels 
along the plate and they help this thing levitate because if one side heats up, uh, then it creates this temperature gradient that pushes gas through it in a process called thermal creep. So whatever that is. And then you can use that airflow to make these things hover. And but what you need to do is to heat up one side of it. And so you do that with lasers. So you shoot one side of the of the cardboard with a laser and then you can sort of steer it around with the laser, like which part of the cardboard you're pointing at changes the direction that it will move in the air. And researchers are, want to use this levitating ability to fly things around on Mars, maybe. So they're testing it in a low pressure chamber that mimics the Martian environment. And while they could be used in a, a, a number of different ways, Mars is appealing because it has thin atmosphere and a weak gravity that mean that it could potentially carry a decent amount of stuff on the cardboard, like sensors or even like sen like samples that it gathers from the air or from dust in the air or something like that. So that wow is uh, something that they're thinking about is sort of lasering these tiny little flat fruit fly weight slabs around Mars to see if they can sense more of the planet. They couldn't land except back where they came from or they would never get back up again. That is really genuinely mind blowing. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know if I don't know if it, uh, we're ever going to do this, but it's cool. That is very cool and uh, very, very weird. Mm -hmm. Well, the news from AFC Wimbledon is also cool and encouraging. The AFC Wimbledon Foundation, as I talked about last time, Hank has really taken on a lot of community work. Mm -hmm. This has included getting laptops or tablets to kids. Uh, it has also included lots and lots of setting up outside of grocery stores so that people who are in need can supplement their groceries with free groceries, uh, as well as delivering food uh, to people who are in need. Uh, and this has become such a big thing that the Don's Local Action Group, which you can follow on Twitter at Don's Local Action, they were on TV. And also, I hear that other people who are doing this work are also wearing yellow and blue, hmm. even though they are not football fans and do not understand why we wear yellow and blue. <laughs> and I find <laughs> that's that, so cool. I find that very lovely and moving that a a AFC Wimbledon fans have started something that is now, you know, spreading to the wider community, even outside of football. It's really, it, that's just so beautiful. So thank you to all of the volunteers who've been working so hard and taking this time away from football to do some some big, important good in the community. Awesome. Thanks, John. And thanks to everybody who sent in your questions. You can do that using our email address, hankandjohn at gmail.com. We didn't get to very many questions today. Boy, we didn't. Sorry. We'll, <laughs> we'll save some of these ones for next week, I think, because there were a bunch of good ones that we didn't get to. Uh, but you can email us at hankandjohn at gmail.com for that. We're off now to record our Patreon-exclusive podcast this week in pretty good stuff. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tunamedish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our communications coordinator is Paula Garcia-Prieto. And the music you're hearing now at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't forget, forget to be, be awesome. awesome.